0: Uncontrolled Airspace Information Alpha, 1353 Zulu. The members and guests of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily represent the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane inform controller on initial contact that you have information alpha
1: anything else before we start here
2: we weren't really started so once we was a pilot
1: <laughs> you thought, we, thought started? we were done. oh okay maybe we have started all right okay so once was a pilot from chelsea so jeb were you around for this dead stick landing this is in your neighborhood right
0: it is in my neighborhood. I was not around. I, I just discovered that yesterday.
1: Uh-huh. Um, I, I heard about it a couple of days earlier, but, yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: When I was going through the NTSB uh, stuff to get my, uh, my issue of aviation safety in order, and I zapped it off to uh, AvWeb, and they ran a piece on it last night. Um, um, a very, very interesting uh, piece of airmanship on this guy's part.
1: I guess, but and, you know, I mean, I don't do an awful lot of flying in airplanes that have multiple yeah. tanks and so forth. But I yeah. shouldn't shouldn't alarms have been going off in this guy's head much earlier on?
0: Well, they were.
1: I mean, he, I mean, he, if, was, if you, did, if you, he did everything right. Did he? He did, he on did, a he
0: did everything 110 percent correct. I mean, yeah. you know,
1: Hang on a second. He, Keb, can you he, give us he, a little synopsis here of what this story is all about? What happened here? He, first of all, this is a, uh, a Cessna 402C.
0: Uh, which is a, which was operating a scheduled, 135 operation, from Key West to uh, Fort Myers, Florida. Uh, it's this a, was it, it's
2: uh, a, about a 12 seat unpressurized twin.
0: Okay. Uh, it's it's a it's a, uh, a Cessna 310 on steroids, um, and uh, this was like the fourth trip of the day for this this pilot. He's a single single crew operation. Um, and this is a, a Cape Air operation. Um, uh, comes down, I, I, I presume it comes down to uh, Florida over the winter, and goes back to the uh, um, uh, Nantucket area uh, in, in the summer. But um, you know the, the way the, the way this report reads, this guy kn- knew how much fuel he had on board before off, and he knew he'd been flying the airplane. Probably has hundreds of hours in the airplane, and, and knows it fairly w- well. And um, he's, he's cruising along at, at altitude, and um, he's seeing the the fuel quantity drop for the right-side fuel uh, indications. Uh, but he's not seeing the left-side indicators, uh, left-side quantity drop at all. Right. And uh, so he starts messing around a little bit, switches tanks, goes into cross-feed, and still doesn't see the left fuel quantity drop but the right side has taken a nosedive it basically goes uh, done. his instrumentation goes to zero whereupon he switches both engines to the left tank Yeah, and uh, after the right one started to surge uh, indicating low, low fuel um, switches both engines to the left tank um, shortly thereafter both engines start surging um, and basically, quit. He's at 4,000 feet over Southwest Florida, and it's dark.
1: Oh, I didn't catch and the night part. Oh, that—that that yeah. Is- this is like
0: this is like six or you know, it's it's after dark. It's like eight o'clock at night. Okay. Um, and feathers both engines. Yeah. And aims the airplane for Naples, Florida. Right. And again, he's got six passengers on board. And uh, dead stick successfully dead sticks a Cessna 402 onto the runway at Naples has enough energy to make the taxiway.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Not a scratch on the airplane. It's channeling Bob Hoover. And uh... right. And um, they basically the the investigation is still ongoing, but they're basically very very curious about the left fuel selector. Uh, the NTSB prelim indicated that. The engines were fine. There was um, more than enough fuel on board. Uh, there was like nine or ten gallons or something like that in the right tank, and um, three hundred pounds or thereabouts in the left tank. And if you do the math, um, um, it's about fifty pounds, gallons. Fifty gallons uh, in the in the left tank, but the fuel the left side fuel selector was basically a food bar, which is a mechanical, uh, FAA mechanical term. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And and was was, um, uh, not drawing fuel from the left tank and instead was always drawing fuel from the right tank. What the problem apparently is, was even though he positioned um, the fuel selectors to draw fuel from the left tank, the failure mode in this instance precluded using any fuel from that tank. And um, the only tank that he could draw fuel from was the right tank, which apparently was so low it, was, it wouldn't run both engines. So the guy, you know, my, my reaction to all this, uh, for a single pilot operation driving a, a piston twin, um, piston twins are generally a little bit more complicated than uh, <laughs> than piston singles, but uh, everybody who's got any time in a jet transport says that pistons are, are much more difficult to fly because of the uh, the lack of automation, all of which kind of points me in the direction of saying, this guy's right up there with the crew of uh, U.S. Airways 1549 as far as pulling it out of the hat at the last moment. Well,
1: I'll take that as high praise. I, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm fairly impressed
0: I like to meet the guy and learn a little bit more about this, but... Uh uh, anyway, that's that's what uh, uh, that's. We'll call this the dead stick landing of the month or
2: something. Yeah. Okay. Th- you know, and 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 things working in his favor was uh, he was familiar with the airplane. I'll bet you nickels to noodles without calling him up that that airplane probably didn't have an autopilot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they but, probably uh, didn't so. have an autopilot because the 402 was predominantly built and used by a lot of the mom and pop airlines back in the. Uh, late 70s, early 80s, Yeah. and they were built to serve a budget. They were like the DC-9 of the Piston Twin Fleet. Uh, never got very high. The trips aren't very long. Uh, a couple of times in covering Provincetown Boston Airlines, which used to do the mm-hmm. Cape Cod South Florida swap every summer and winter, they had a bunch of 402s, and every time I rode with them, I wound up sitting in a front-right seat where there was no yoke.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. No instruments, no yoke. Yeah. Just was, you know, just a black piece of aluminum there.
1: I was talking to a guy over the weekend who flies Pilatus what PC twelves um for a living. And uh he was saying, Yeah, they're easy to fly. They're just single lever. You know, you just like yeah, push it forward, yeah. go. And uh,
2: <clears throat> uh Well and, and and this guy might have had a bigger fight on his hand if both engines hadn't died.
1: Yeah. But you know, he, well, that's he, he's did not having to
2: fight any a asymmetrical thrust problem. Right. He could turn whichever way he needed to with equal ease. Mm-hmm.
0: Both engines out. Um uh his choices are much simplified.
2: Yeah, yeah. David, yeah, much simplified. You make you know, you find the best place you can put it down. And uh, you know, man, big hats off to this guy.
1: Yeah, really. David, introduce us to your puppy dog.
2: Oh, that's Charlotte.
1: Uh, say it again, how do you say Charlotte. Charlotte, okay. Charlotte. Charlotte. She's she's apparently not a fan. She's not happy with the episode tonight, I guess.
2: Well, normally she just lays here on the carpet next to the uh, desk where I work and uh, waits. But she knows that uh, the the bride is home. Uh, She's heard or smelled, and Annie hasn't come out to the office to get her yet. And uh, so she's fussing uh, so because that'd she would be similar to the noise diet. I've
1: heard you make from time to time. <laughs> that, okay. That'll work. That'll work. Hey, welcome, folks, to episode number one hundred and twenty-one of Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. We're recording this episode on uh, what is it, Thursday evening, February February twelfth, two thousand nine. Happy and birthday, President Lincoln, and s- happy birthday, Charles Darwin. That's right. That's right. Uh, about the same. Well, no, I guess not the same ages. Well. Same How old would Lincoln be now? Uh, anyways, two hundred.
2: Uh, They're both born two hundred years ago today. Is that an, an is that true? Yeah,
0: was it, was it both were both born today?
1: No kidding. Yeah, I it was this week. No kidding. Interesting. Anyways, let me say hi to my, uh, my friends here in the virtual hangar. We've got a big crowd here tonight, although some of them are being a little quiet. I think they're timid. I think they're intimidated. Uh, That'll be a first. I give, I, give, I give new visitors to the hangar a little pep talk, and, and uh, it, it it sometimes doesn't work. One of those voices you heard out there uh, is, uh, is Charlotte, the dog. Uh, another of those voices is Dave Higdon. Both of them are joining us from Wichita, Kansas. Hey, David. Good evening, everybody.
2: All the ships at sea, all the airplanes in the air. I wish I was there. Uh, hope it's as lovely where you are as it's been here for the last week. Oh, oh my, my god. Goodness.
1: I'll tell you, the weather world is topsy turvy because if it's nice in Wichita, I'll talk about here. But we'll talk about weather a little bit more as, as the evening goes on. I'm just loving this thing. <laughs> hey, Charlotte. Uh,
0: I can't tell if that's a screen door or if it's. Oh.
3: I feel like I feel like I'm in the recording of a very early Pink Floyd song. If that's yeah. Yeah, there, you go. there, you go. Oh, animals. <laughs>
2: right. yeah.
1: Another those, that would be the one. Another of those voices you're hearing is uh, Jeb Burnside, who's talking to us from Sarasota, Florida. How you doing, Jeb? All right. Uh, the weather down here fairly sucks to be honest with you yeah that's what the topsy-turvy part
0: yeah it's fogged we've been fogged in all day um it's you know it's it's cool but it's it's very humid um the roads are slick and and uh kind of hoping this will blow out otherwise things are hunky and dory yeah
1: okay yeah. And uh, and also joining us in the hangar this week is uh, is two friends, uh, old friends of the podcast, uh Will Hawkins and uh, Rico Sharkawi, uh who are uh, together apparently uh somewhere in the vicinity of Santa Cruz, California. How you doing boys? We're doing great. How you doing? Hey, guys. Um, that's Will, and that's Rico. And yep. uh, Will and Rico are, uh, are uh, partners in... Man, uh, that sounds so much like a 1970s cop show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, Will and Rico are, among many things, uh, partners in uh, Wilco Films that is uh, in the process of producing uh, a, a movie that we're all pretty excited about, A Pilot Story. We're going to hear more about that later on in the episode. But... Uh, uh, Will is of course also the uh, co-host of the very popular uh, Pilots' Flight Podlog podcast, and uh, uh, and is you've actually been on this pod, Will? You've been on on uh, here in the hangar with us, I think, one other time, right? I think
3: once or twice, actually. I yeah, think uh, yeah, I of, think a couple yeah. of times.
1: Yeah, Rico has not. Rico, uh, I met Rico for the first time face to face when I was out in San Francisco a couple months back or a month back when we had our little uh, our little meetup at. Uh, uh, right near San Francisco Airport, and that was kind of fun. So uh, you had a great view of the airport, though. That was fun. That was great. The that, airport. That was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Not only the airport, we got a view of the uh, of the uh, the uh, Hindenburg, not the Hindenburg, the uh, but oh the the Zeppelin airship ventures, ventures yeah, Zeppelin. yeah. The Zeppelin was uh, was coming down the the far the hills on the far side of the bay there, and that was kind of cool. Oh, oh the oh, humanity. It's
3: funny, it's yeah. funny that you mention that. It, I actually interviewed uh, Kate. Uh, Their pilot yesterday, and I was in the hangar with the Zeppelin NT right behind us, and uh, and got her interview for our film. Very cool,
1: very cool. We're going to talk more about that stuff in a little bit. In,
3: in, uh, In the Hindenburg, an appetizer at a
1: German restaurant called Dos Brats. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I Okay, uh, we'll have to think about that one. We'll kind of, I'll start laughing in about five minutes, I think. I don't think I will laugh at all. And I am Jack Hodgson, and I'm talking to you from uh, UCAP World Headquarters in Dover, New Hampshire. Uh, and how is the weather up there? Now, well, I'm going to talk more about but it's beautiful. It's like, it's, it, it was almost 60 degrees here the other day, uh, and uh, it's been above freezing. What is it right now? It's 43 degrees here right now, and it's 720 at night, so it's well wow. after sunset. Um it rained all night last night. Uh, which doesn't Sounds bode like well. Doesn't bode yeah. well for the uh, Sanford uh ski plane fly in on Saturday, but uh there's yeah. there's a lot of snow on the ground, so still. Anyways, so let's see now. Well yeah. I was gonna say you've got the warm weather coming and
3: and uh we're actually forecasted to get snow here in the Santa Cruz That's Mountains. That's right, yes. Which so, is <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> we're trying to figure out and and right now I'm looking at, you know, partially cloudy skies, but they say the storm's gonna hit us any minute. Uh, so it should be pretty exciting.
1: Yeah. So for people who are not familiar with the geography out there, the Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz area and the Santa Cruz Mountains are sort of to the south of uh, Silicon Valley, which is to the south of uh, San Francisco, and uh, it's very unusual. It's not unheard of to get snow up there, but it doesn't happen very often, right?
3: Yeah. No. We we get it on the top of the hills about twenty seven hundred feet, so we'll get dustings. But they're saying it's going to drop down to five hundred tonight. So
1: I I know <laughs> in the twelve years I lived out there, maybe. Three times, uh, it snowed enough up there that you actually saw white tops on the yeah. on the hills around yeah. the valley, and that was always pretty cool. Yeah, it is totally cool. Good. It's yeah. pretty here. Yeah, you'd look up to Mount Hamilton with the observatories up there, and you'd see it surrounded by snow. It looked like I don't know Mount it, Kilimanjaro or something. That was. Uh...
3: Yeah, you'd wake up going,
1: "How did I get to Denver?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what it looked like.
3: they are surrounded by these beautifully snow-capped
1: hills. It's yeah, cool. and then it, it tips route. Uh, what is it? Route 17, Route 15. What's this? 17. 17 is the one that it comes it over here. Yeah. Tips it over into the edge to being pretty much 100% fatal. Right? It's just like yeah,
3: <laughs> pretty much. Well, they get they get a quarter inch of snow. Or if, if it actually snows and it melts when it hits the ground, they close down 17 because nobody knows how to drive in snow around here. So. It,
1: it is, under good circumstances, one of the yeah, scariest I was, pieces of road I've ever driven on in my life. It, is this, it really is. It's this <laughs> relatively narrow, two. I mean, it is divided two lanes, but uh, yeah. uh, I guess what, it's two lanes on each side, and it, they're very tight lanes, and it's twisting and turning uh, you <clears> know, <throat> uh, up the hill or down the hill, depending on which way you're going. It's the down yep, both part that's particularly scary, but... Uh, um, yeah, it goes up and down and zigging and zagging, and, uh, and uh, people lose their yeah, – I mean, it's really dangerous. No kidding. All kidding aside, it's a
3: it's – it's, it's a 50-mile-an-hour zone, but everyone goes 70, and that's the scary part. Yeah, really. really.
1: Including the truckers, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, snow there tonight, huh? That'll be exciting. You'll have to send us pictures or something like that. That's what they're saying. I'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But that'll just be on – like down in the Silicon Valley, down in Watsonville Valley, there won't be snow on the ground down there. Probably
3: but. not. Well, they're saying it's going down to uh, 500 feet. Yeah. So and I'm uh the, the city I'm in is actually at about four hundred and fifty feet. So right. we will see. Yeah. So you'll just get slush. Probably. Oh, yeah, right? and, and and anybody will probably be snowed in because they'll close all the yeah. all the roads for a couple hours in the morning to get all the ice out. And <laughs> we've been watching well, they, snow plows running around
1: and so it's pretty been interesting.
4: I, I was down at I, Watsonville. Go ahead. No, Rico, go ahead. Uh, I was down at the Watsonville Airport yesterday, uh, fiddling around with the airplane, and uh, saw the storm coming. There was a system that hit us yesterday, um, but saw the storm coming. And I thought I'll buy myself some time, and then sure enough, it it ended up being hail, which is <laughs> unheard of out here. Yeah. Uh, but it was, you know, it only lasted for about five minutes, and it turned back into rain. Yeah. So
2: we, we've actually Gore, been working on a way to export the- people. The- Kansas.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Jeb. <laughs>
0: Al Gore, please pick up the white courtesy.
1: For- <laughs> 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 yeah, yep. Hey, so uh uh Will and Rico, uh as I mentioned, you're uh, partners in your uh, Arrow your uh, Piper Arrow. Uh Oops. tell us about the what's the latest on the airplane? How's
4: it going? Oh, uh, uh, I, I, I really this, want to talk yeah, about yeah. <laughs> that. That's a sour topic right So now. we've we've oh,
3: decided okay. that we we we're, we're going to do a uh, an owner assist annual this year. Yeah. Uh yeah. last year the annual pretty much took us to the cleaners um yeah and, and not in anything that really needed to be done i mean there was really no problems found we just the labor just killed us so we thought okay we'll do that but now we can't find the time so she's currently out of annual we're just trying to find a week when we can we can go down and do the annual so there she sits we go down every week we start her up run her up and turn her off and then we leave the airport so
2: <laughs> it's
3: an arrow it gives, right yeah it's an yeah. arrow 378
1: so you just sit, you just climb in and make airplane noises and then you uh, Yeah, you know, yeah, pretty yeah, much. Pretty much. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sorry that's it's yeah, kind of sad, but uh, <laughs> I know it is, it is. Well,
3: the the nice thing is is at least we're busy and it's not, you know, I mean it, it's really cuz we just can't find the time to Yeah, yeah. Uh, to allocate to actually uh devote to the airplane. So, well, it we'll get there at some point.
1: Yeah. So I've had a busy uh, past few days uh, aviation-wise, and uh, the first thing, I, I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I had signed up to take an IFR ground school um, that was going to take place on eight sun- consecutive Sunday mornings, and I had my first one uh, this past weekend. and. Uh, uh, it, it was, you know, I mean, it, it, session one was all about weather, so there really was no flying involved, you know, no flight training, if you will. Um, so it was just talking about weather and learning about, you know, where do you go to get weather forecasts and how you interpret them and what are the issues that are, you know, relevant to IFR flying and that kind of thing. And uh, I'm just going to be and I'm just kind of giving you this report so that I will, in fact, completely bore everyone about my IFR <laughs> training as it progresses. Um, I don't think uh, you will. Yeah. I, I, yeah, quite
0: the contrary. Because I really, I really, you know, want you to talk about that because I think a lot of people, uh, hopefully, a lot of our listeners, uh, are, are are these people also who um, kind of sort of need an instrument rating. Because mm-hmm. They want an airplane for well, transportation. And, I don't and, know
2: about and, where some of some of the other folks live, but the 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 so many of the pilots that I hang around with were like, "Oh man, you want to do that?" You know that's tough. That's hard stuff, man. I mean, you know, and you'll you'll if then if you try to use it, oh man, man, and he made it so much more intimidating than it was, man. Yeah. And uh, well, back you know, it wound up being when, a hell of a lot of work, but nothing that it, it, you know, if you pay attention, you shouldn't be able to pick up.
0: Yeah. It, it is a hell of a lot of work, but it's also uh, a great investment because you'll get that, um, uh, you're going to return back the rest of your life on on using that rating. but uh, uh, It's also a lot easier these days than it was certainly back in my time when, you know, Ford tri-motors were popular, Hmm. but um,
1: um, the technology (laughs) has changed. You notice how he diffused that joke. We were all going to jump (laughs) on him about that.
2: You know, (laughs) I I was just surprised that they'd worked up to sheet metal by the time he was started. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, (laughs) Um... but seriously, the, the the technology has changed a lot. Yeah. The airspace and procedures have changed a lot. Um, it, it's it's just easier to get nowadays than it was, you know, back in the day. Um, and, and now's a good time to do it. So more power to you, and but, keep us posted for sure. Posted. But,
1: but, but, other, than, other than weather, is that, is that all they really discussed? On this first session, this first four-hour session, yeah, we just talked about weather and weather forecasts and how you find them and how you get them and how you read them and what issues are relevant and and just a lot of that kind of stuff in the first day, the first session. So they
2: didn't they didn't get to that scenario. that says if you get this scenario with this 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 and this, stay home. Well, they did uh, a little bit of
1: that for sure. Yeah, okay, so
2: uh, I, I'm I'm glad to hear that because that's that's <laughs> one where we we can. Occasionally, hear of instrument pilots finding out, almost finding out the hard way, why well, you're not supposed to go there.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, sure. and, and living to talk about it. Right. So, I'll keep you so, informed.
1: So, go ahead. I was going to say so your first class was winter is cold, summer is hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Now, that's <laughs> IFR in, in California. All right.
3: <laughs> I actually, I got to tell you something. Back to what Jeb was saying about the technology and being easier. Um, I recently took uh, a flight to Truckee. Um, in a brand new SR-22. Ah, Uh, And we went VFR, but we had to go IFR to get in and to get out. And watching what the technology did, and it basically flew us into the pattern. It did it exactly the way it was supposed to, completely hands-off, brought us within. uh, We broke out of the clouds at 800 or 1,000 or something like that, and then we took control of the airplane and landed it. I couldn't believe that this airplane could do that. It was amazing. Mm, yeah. It was absolutely amazing. I thought, well, if that's all it takes to get your IFR, sign me up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it, you yeah, know right.
0: fortunately, fortunately <laughs> or unfortunately, depending on your viewpoint, that is not all.
3: Yeah. No, okay. no. Because but I was, no, better better I was getting a nice stuff, demonstration of what that that whole yeah. system can do. It was amazing.
0: When all that stuff soils the bed, yeah. like. <laughs>
1: Yeah, see, that's my thing
2: know how to get it on the ground.
1: I've spent way too much time around computers and technology to have any faith in those kinds of systems. Yeah, I know. I exactly. know. Like, it's like, oh well, my God!
2: It, you know, and on top of that, there, there's a lot of flight instructors out there, and, and I've always seen the system kind of tilted this way that won't let you turn that on until after <laughs> you've passed your check ride. Yeah, yeah. After you passed it your check well ride, then you get then you get to learn to use the G-Whiz stuff. Because now they're sure that you already know how to do it without the G Wiz stuff.
0: The the flip side is which. If you don't know how to
2: do it without the G Wiz stuff, what are you going to do if you ever have to do it without the G Wiz stuff? Right.
0: right. (laughs) On the check ride, you're expected to know how to use and explain the use of everything in the panel of the airplane you're flying. Absolutely. Kind of a catch 22. Mm -hmm. Um, It is. Take take the check ride in a in a ragged out 172 with uh, barely two VORs and and an ADF and and you won't have to explain how the GPS works.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steve Tupper documented a lot of the of this process of his uh, instrument training, including the check ride, and uh, it, it's pretty interesting to listen. He actually got permission from his check pilot to record the uh, intercom during his uh, check ride, and uh, included large chunks of it in his podcast. And it's it's pretty interesting, and I I think instructional, but I don't really know enough yet to. But I, it well, was my, it was pretty interesting.
2: My instrument CFI. Uh, he made sure I knew how to explain the use and 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 the function how they worked of two boxes in my panel that i wasn't going to be allowed to use yeah because they were in the airplane Mm -hmm. but they weren't ifr approved and if they weren't ifr approved i didn't get to use them on the check ride right and so we flew all the training without them and on my very first instrument trip after my check ride which was like one two three four days uh i wound up having to fly in the soup for a about 375 nautical by hand Mm and do a dog leg in the middle of it to stay out of the, uh, you don't want to go there stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I used all the stuff that was there, you know, it's like changes. It gets upside down. Once you've got the, the rating, then they, you're, you're allowed to expect it to use everything that can help you in the panel. Mm -hmm. Now you can't file slash golf with a VFR only GPS. But that doesn't mean that you can't use the GPS along with everything else in the panel and with radar coverage to fly
1: everything but approaches just like you've got slash golf capability yeah, yeah. so so anyways, I'll be uh, keeping you filled in and uh, um, you know as it gets and, and the weather's interesting i, I mean I'm, I'm, I've always been sort of a of a, a weather fan anyways but uh but as we get into the really interesting stuff I'm, I'm i'll probably be coming to you for help you know tell me what this really means i didn't understand it i was completely well, lost.
2: But, no conversation i want to hear is the one after you encounter the weather in the real that
1: they're teaching you about in the abstract yeah okay <laughs> that's where the <laughs> oh never mind um so listen moving on um <laughs> We have on our list here uh, three different items related to uh, the BizJet mess, if you will. Um, I mean, BizJets are not a mess. That's the point. Um, BizJets continue to be valuable uh, business tools, but some people don't think so. Um, Jeb, Dave? Will Rico yeah. want to jump in here? These items are a little bit old. They've been on our list for a couple of weeks, and they and we had to. Had Actually, to... they're still pertinent. They're still relevant,
2: and yeah. I can fortunately just manage to talk to about them without getting totally
1: pissed off. Okay, I don't know why. <laughs> I, I don't know why I thought Dave wouldn't have something to say about this subject. But uh, go ahead, Dave. What's going on? Well, we this started with the
2: insanity of three sets of auto executives flying three different large cabin business jets from Detroit to Washington to appear together at at the same hearing. And ever since then, any time a business jet pops up uh, with a company that's involved with any kind of government assistance or recovery package or stimulus work or however you want to describe it, uh, then the business aviation, the business jet gets demonized. There's been attempts to write into legislation language that would force companies that take any of this help to divest themselves of, uh, of of their corporate aircraft and even go so far as to forbid them from chartering corporate aircraft and with no allowance for whether it's more cost effective to take the business airplane or the airlines, mm-hmm. yeah. whether you can even get there on the airlines. Right. That's that's a that's a decreasing that's a decreasing population of American cities. At any rate, so far none of this stuff or, or has failed reliable. legally, but it has succeeded wildly in just change in turn in creating a a climate of hostility uh, among politicians and the talking heads, left, right, middle. Those nasty guys flying those business airplanes, uh, and it's just. Garbage. It's just, you know, it's like time to open up the window, get your head out, shout, I'm mad as hell and I'm not taking this anymore because it's not an accurate portrayal.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I, I, I actually heard this, and speaking of being up in Truckee, I actually was in the, the FBO at Truckee and, and working my equipment and stuff, and this story came up, and I was talking to my friends, and there was actually a pilot there that started defending. The fact that no, these guys should have jumped onto a train or something. And I looked at him. I said, "Do you understand how much business those guys got done in that jet uh-huh. that they couldn't get done in a car, they couldn't get done on a, you know, in in a, a train, and that they would have lost while they were standing in line for the NT to take off their shoes and all that stuff?" I said, you, you, uh-huh. you "Don't you know this is this is saving them money? You know, mm-hmm. this is saving those well, companies it- huge amounts of money."
2: I, I I agree with you, uh, but I halfway agree with the pilot who kind of questioned their good judgment in six guys, essentially, taking mm-hmm. three large cabin airplanes.
1: Yeah, I mean, from a public reaction on the same standpoint, route. I it mean, it's kind of foolish. Just like, yeah. The,
2: the, the it, it's, degree it's of tough. disconnect. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. degree of disconnect. And then one of them used to run Boeing's commercial airplane-making business, and he couldn't at least sit up and and, and say, well, Senator, actually, you know, the the majority of the time our airplanes fly, it's actually saving us money, making us more profitable. Uh, No, nothing like that. It was like me at Copa, I'm sorry, give me some thorns, I'll beat my back. I mean, geez, it's time to stop taking this as, oh, we should apologize or preferring to use private airplanes and saving and, money, and, and than I think using you just put your failing tubes on it. and wasting time and money.
1: Yeah.
0: Dave, I think you just put your finger on it. Um, my experience, which goes back, as, as you know, uh, twenty five or so years, um, in knowledge of working for or with uh, the business aviation industry, um, the companies operating these airplanes. Uh, are just extremely reluctant to either acknowledge that they operate them, or to discuss the benefits to the company of operating them. It's 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 almost as if it's uh, a, a taboo subject uh, for anyone other than uh, those people uh, privileged to sit on the board of directors.
2: Uh, no, I know um, what you're talking about, man. They they, they, was... they will
0: they will simply. Uh, um, um, Fold like a deck of cards when it comes to, uh, when, when they're forced to defend uh, their purchase or operation of a business aircraft. And it's it's almost comical, but mo- most importantly, it's uh, extremely uh, detrimental to the industry. Oh, it's,
2: absolutely. Uh, we, we, and it's can, not like these guys can't right modify now. this.
0: Yeah, you can't swing a dead cat right now without finding a, a business aircraft company that's that's downsizing, that's that's laying off workers, that is is bemoaning the loss of of uh, sales or or existing sales have been uh, postponed. And this, you can look at Mooney. You can look at Cessna. Look at Cirrus. Look at Beach, Look at at uh, uh, Piper. Just laid off just laid off a thousand people. Um, it's it's throughout the industry, uh, not all of it has to do with um, uh, this this tone deafness on the part of uh, the big three automakers.
2: No, by, by, so. by, by no means do I. I you but know, this is absolutely made, you know. Uh,
0: uh, it's self inflicted.
2: It's yes. made so much worse. Yeah. By this ill informed rant. Uh, demonizing the the uh, the corporate jet, I mean, okay, there's a tiny percentage of hours, I uh, you know, uh, cough it up right in front. There's a tiny percentage of hours of all the business airplanes out there, flown by all the companies that operate them, that go to stuff that does not contribute to the company bottom line, and in a lot of those instances, the uh, the 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 persons in the airplane have to reimburse the company for the use of the airplane so that's kind of a perk it's not free but it still beats having to go and stand in line and take your shoes off and all that stuff but the thing that aggravates me and has for a long time is that they try to keep this low key and I understand that they got a lot of bad ink years ago they got a lot of black eyes for doing a lot of dumb stuff and ever ever since then they've tried to keep it low-key and then since security has become more of a concern they've tried to be even more Mm low-key but at the end of the day these folks know how much money their business airplane saves them what it does for their bottom line As, as opposed to flying those same number of trips, those same number of people on the airlines, the extra meals, the extra nights in motels and hotels, uh, the number of times when they didn't even make the meeting on time because the flights were late. Uh, I think
0: part of the problem, Dave, is um, the companies and, and uh, perhaps the operations that uh, get the uh, the greatest visibility are – perhaps finding themselves in a situation where the numbers on the aircraft as they use the aircraft don't work out all that well
2: now that may well be
0: okay but that, that may moving, well be if you move down a tier into yep. the the companies that are operating say um, uh, an older Learjet or a King Air or or, or something that's not a brand new Gulfstream uh, 550 um, those companies and those operations clearly would be much more cost effective and much more defensible um, if, if they were to arrive, uh, excuse me, if they were to rise to the top of the discussion. Um, but um, it's easy to pick on, uh, it's easy for the media, it's easy for the pundits, the talking heads, the blowhards to pick on. Uh, Some of these companies, if they're not going to defend themselves and they're not defending uh,
2: themselves, I guess, I guess my message here is that I'm not waiting on them to defend themselves. I want to stick my head out the window and say, I'm sorry, but you people are wrong. You might be right about one little tiny thing, but you're running into the ground. This idea that any kind of airplane use by any company at that at that level is 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 terrible. It's horrible. It's yeah. excess, and that's just not true. Right. Somewhere in the neighborhood, in ninety percent, near ninety percent, of the business aircraft flying out there, don't even fly the hack muckety bugs like this.
1: Yeah. and that, and that's the punchline here. We got to move on. But that that's the punchline here. I think that uh, that although those of us out, you know, kind of at in, in our our local airports don't have access to neither big corporate officials nor to government officials we do talk to our you know other people in the world and and the message we should be be spreading is that this is not about abuse this is not about huge perks this is about valuable business tools um that 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 serve a real important purpose to these guys uh to these 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 business leaders getting them to places where they either can't get on the airlines or can't get in a cost-effective way so anyways
3: um Can I- Jack, yep. and one more point. Um, I, I actually had to correct somebody because there was a story about uh, one of the big car companies actually turned around and bought a uh, a brand new uh, expensive jet after they got uh, bailed out and how terrible that was and, and how dare they take the taxpayers' money. And I had to say, you know, first off, you're probably not hearing the whole story. They probably sold three or four of their older airplanes, bought a brand new one that gets much better fuel. You know, it's much better fuel efficient, um, probably flies faster. Um, And, you know, here's the perks. And they probably got rid of three airplanes in place of that. So and that's the way the media was portraying it. it was like oh they got bailed out and the first thing they did is they went out and bought a brand new jet
1: yeah i think it's part and parcel of the whole misconception that it, that's you know anything smaller than an airliner is an airplane for a rich person and, exactly uh, um and that's you know that's a message that we need to keep getting out there not to our pilot friends because they know not to not necessarily to government or, or business but to just regular people you know that that you meet on the street or you know at your you know your wherever
2: you did it just right will though you did it just right and that is when you hear that garbage mm-hmm. don't be shy about very nicely and politely saying you know that's really interesting except those folks don't know their butts from the hole in the ground and then <laughs> gently correct the situation and uh, i think that's yeah. going to get a lot of mileage for us but yeah. too often we sit on our hands or we see the Industry retreat, and I'm tired of seeing it being left to the alphabet groups. Yeah. I expect them to react. I, I, I think we're at a point where I expect us to react. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there you go. Cool. So uh, Dave Igdon believes that gently correcting someone involves beginning the sentence with "You don't know your butt from a hole in the ground." And <laughs> be- no
2: no not the people it, you it heard. Begins that with, oh, it, right it
1: begins with "It right. begins with Jane, you ignorant slut." That's right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm always going to blame the, the the talking head or the politician. All right. Well, now that we've got because that's where these people get their impressions is these talking (laughs) heads and the politicians.
1: So now that we have Dave Gooden warmed up, let's move on to a real. (laughs) Um, Craig Fuller, the uh, new uh, head guy at AOPA, uh, sent out sent us all an email the other day, um, and uh, where he uh, a national pilot alert are urging us all to get out there and uh, vocally or 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 in writing uh, oppose the large aircraft uh, security proposed, I'm sorry, program, uh, and uh, you know, I, I yes, absolutely. Um, I it seems to me that this is coming a little bit late in the process, but maybe not. I don't know, David. What, what's your take on this whole thing?
2: Well, we haven't run out of comment period yet,
1: and that's true. So it's not it's not too late in that. It's, it's that not too late,
2: uh, and uh, I know that uh, I haven't looked at the comment docket in a while, but I know that. There's been uh, no lack of good responses to the uh, TSA's proposal. Uh, And we know how the town meetings went. The TSA did five town meetings, and they thought the first one was an aberration, that the only people who showed up to talk were ones who said, Are you freaking joking? Yeah. After the second meeting went that way, they were kind of like, wow, this is this is not what we expected. After the fourth meeting, they're, they're wanting to show up in helmets. After the fifth meeting, they're going, oh, thank God that's over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: so, I, I would disagree with you. I think they knew uh, from day one the kind of opposition that they were going to see around the country. I don't think they care.
2: I don't think they expected people to turn out like they did. Yeah.
0: That that's, that's explained. Yeah. I think yeah. they
2: expected you know, to hear a lot of noise uh, you know, in the media, to hear a lot of pushback from the alphabet groups, and that at the end of the day that this would just kind of roll through, wash over the pilot population and the aircraft owner population, and all would be right with the world because after all, after all, in the last eight years when have they ever
1: screwed anything up at the TSA? That's right. That's right. So, uh, so the, I'm sorry. Who was going to say? Who was that? Someone was going to say something. I was just laughing. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I know. That's exactly the response I think. But but in but it, it's actually not the best response because what we need to do is is get out no, there No, it's and, not on show and, and and uh, respond to this thing and uh, we'll put a link in the show notes uh to uh well we'll try and put a link in there to uh, Craig Fuller's uh, alert pilot alert uh, assuming it's not behind the membership wall. But uh, one way or the other we will put in the show notes some information on how you can um, either submit a comment uh, to uh, to this proposal and or contact your uh, legislators uh, to give them your feedback
2: on that your- was really I think the root of, uh, yeah. of
1: of mr. fuller's
2: alert here is because there's been no shyness in the uh, alphabet group community about encouraging their members to file comments on the public docket but I think we're at a stage here where they're seeing some potential Gain from pushing this up the chain to the lawmakers, because apparently more than a few lawmakers in in the right places have kind of heard the the story of this proposal and gone whiskey tangle, foxtrot in their own, yeah, you know, elected official yeah. ways. Uh, so I think uh, Mr. Fuller is looking to ratchet up the communications through that route. Yeah. So contact. So that just- if something comes up legislatively, <laughs> there'll be more. uh and, you attentive. know.
0: Dave, you, you, this is one of the things that's been kind of eluding me in this discussion that we've had of, of business jets on one hand and then of the TSA's uh, large aircraft security program on the other. And I just i just realized what it was, which is the, the whole hypocrisy of it all. Uh, unless a member of Congress is from the, the Washington, D.C. suburban area, he or she um, spends a good bit of time uh, using general aviation, uh, whether chartering an aircraft uh, to get around their state uh, to various campaign events or um, um, borrowing one or, or being loaned Man, I, one. You, I can catch you. I'm so glad I didn't have to be the something one Something like that. Um, and then, you know, once they get elected, there's, there's always offers, you know, to catch a ride home uh, to the district, um, to the state. Um, and do you mind if our lobbyist comes along with you and chats up a little problem we're having with such and such an agency been there, done that, have the teach the hypocrisy of it all is you can't find a member of Congress who at one level or another hasn't been on one of these aircraft and knows the companies that operate them yep. and knows the utility and knows the value of them uh, and taking it to that level of of taking it to Congress brings it all home um, it's long overdue and you know the message should be not just do away with the LASP and and get TSA off of our butts but let's rethink this whole TSA thing to begin
2: with yeah. uh, like, I love that idea yeah. rethink TSA, it's rethink past- the Patriot Act Yeah, uh, it'd be like rethinking sanity
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> alright um, <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, side, as a side note, <laughs> I actually say that. Yeah. Will and Rico use caution about background noises here. I'm, I think I'm hearing oh, from sorry. you things on papers and noises and whatnot. So just use. I caution.
2: was listening to Will chuckle. Yeah, well, the chuckles I like. It's,
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. Papers and glasses clinking are not always. Sorry about that. That's okay. Just use caution. Oh, <laughs> um, well, that's just me
2: toasting the last line. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that was a good line. So a few months ago, trying to find a
0: glass, that's
1: something in it. Yeah, a few months ago, we. Uh, I'm gonna have such a hard time editing this back together here. You guys, are, you're not allowing me to create a you're clean, not, a clean you, break. You're here. gonna take this out? Why would take you do take this out? out? What
2: are, what are you
0: talking
1: about?
2: Too many Christmas, man. I
1: take out half the stuff you guys say every right, week. Anyways, come up you know. there, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I gotta listen to this more often. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. You'd think. I yeah. think participating would be enough.
3: Uh, <laughs> oh, we have to go listen to it. I control the
2: horizontal. I just
1: figured it, Whatever we said showed up. I mean, she control man. the horizontal. I control the video. <laughs> you, you guys, I have
4: to tell you something Jim, really quick. Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: Rico, go ahead. Um,
4: this this going back and forth that just happened the last uh, thirty seconds here totally takes me back to uh, listening to your podcast uh, on on uh, cross country flights from here to Chicago when I was flying back and forth for work and uh, it's just funny to be a part of it actually to hear it to hear it live it's it's really cool and I always thought Thanks. how cool these guys are having such a blast recording this podcast and uh, it's nice to be you know sitting here live and it's
1: thank, thank nice you cool. man
4: Chat. Right. You. Well, you're very leave welcome. this, leave this bleeping very, part in. right,
1: It's enjoyable. We're going to let them talk for a little while here. A couple months ago, <laughs> uh, you guys announced to the world that you had come up for, with an idea for a movie. Uh, that uh, that you had discovered a a, a, a common chord, if you will, among all pilots, and you started started going around uh, interviewing pilots and collecting the pilot's story. Or stories, uh, and, and you're, um, you're, you're now in the process of making a movie which you call a pilot story. Um, you know, first of all, this is Will and Rico I'm talking about, of course, and uh, maybe one of you could give me like a really short synopsis of where this all came from. Most people, have, or many people, have heard that already, um, because mostly I'd like to hear about all of the exciting things that you've been doing since then. So, sure. what's the idea and where did it come from? So the the
3: the big idea here, and it kind of comes to ba- goes back to what we were talking about uh, earlier, but uh, the big thing is, is you know, all of us pilots. If we're not flying, we love to talk about flying, right? But we always talk to ourselves, and what we really want to do is reach out to the outside of the airport fence and talk to those people out there because they have no idea what we're doing. All they know is we're flying around in these noisy airplanes, right? Yep. And w- the the community that we're all in is such a great community, and it's so much fun. And it's so open, you know, open armed, that we just want to show people that look. There's a fence around the airport that may discourage you to come in, but that fence is open, and all you got to do is is come up, find somebody on the other side of the fence. They're going to let you in. They're going to take you flying, and it'll change your life. Yeah. You know, that's basically it. Uh, we're we're trying to. Inspire the next uh, generation of, uh, of pilots and astronauts and aviation career-driven people, uh, and we're really trying to speak to uh, kids and parents of children and show them that aviation can really uh, be a, a really amazing foundation for the rest of somebody's life and, and and all the great things that it can do. And we're trying to talk to those you know the, those people that that go, oh, those noisy airplanes! I want to close down the airport, and show them that that there's a lot of things going on at these airports that they have no idea life-saving uh inspirational things Uh, it's not just rich doctors and lawyers flying around in their bonanzas these you know we're real people we're doing real things uh we're traveling we're saving lives uh you know we're doing some really amazing stuff with aviation and it's open to everybody please come on and join us
1: yeah yeah so i A lot of us thought it was a great idea from the very beginning. Uh, it was, as some things are, a little bit slow starting. You were trying to kind of find your way and find some support and, and, you know, raise a little bit of money. But it it sounds now that you're really kind of getting going faster and faster and the, and the, and the curve is just accelerating. Tell us a little bit about some of the, you know, the, you've just been wandering around, I guess, certainly all over the West Coast and maybe all over the country, uh, interviewing people. In some, in some cases, some pretty notable people. What, what have you been working on?
4: Uh, I can speak to that, and um, yeah, that's very true. It all started uh, with uh, our request to interview uh, del Nutter back in uh, June, and through that, we got invited to attend the National Aviation Hall of Fame, where we uh, picked up a lot of contacts, and through that, um, started attending uh, a number of events, uh, like the... Uh, Legends of Aviation just recently, and uh, the ICAS event, and uh, AOPA Expo, and so on and so forth. But the really neat thing is the type of people we've had access to. Um, for instance, we uh, um, we recently interviewed uh, Craig Ferguson of the Late Late Night show. He's he's a pilot. Uh, Samantha Weeks of the Air Force uh, Thunderbirds. We were able to literally walk up to the flight line at uh, Travis Air Force Base up here in Northern California. Um, Shondi Tucker, uh, Patty Wagstaff, Julie Clark, um, and as a matter of fact, uh, we met. We ran into uh, Bob Hoover. Uh, we ran into the Bob great Hoover. Great Bob Hoover at the uh, Living Legends of Aviation event a couple weeks ago. Um, Max Moga. Max the, Moga, the,
3: the, the
4: F.A. demo pilot
3: for the last two years. Hmm.
4: The Air Force. Air Force. Air Force. Or, I'm right. sorry. Did I say F.A. the yeah. the
3: Air Force F-22 demo pilot? Right. Is what I meant to say.
4: And, you know, every once in a while we have to look at each other and pinch ourselves thinking, did we just talk to Eileen Collins? <laughs> I mean, you probably, you guys know who Eileen Collins is, yeah. uh, an, an astronaut. Um, you know, uh, the places we get to go to, we, we, you know, at Van Nuys Airport, we, we've been down there a couple of times. A couple of uh, people that we'll name, uh, we'll keep, we'll keep uh, a little secret. We won't say who they were, but we met them at the uh uh, Santa Monica Airport and got to walk into their hangars and see their airplanes i mean it 's just it 's just been phenomenal and uh, we can 't wait to share the this passion for aviation that these people have for the most part. Nobody really knows that they fly i 'm mm-hmm. um, talking about you know on the flip side of uh, some of the celebrities, but um, they really have an intense passion for aviation and um we can't wait to share with the you know with everybody out yeah. there you started
1: out this whole thing saying that that it, you you were hearing the same story i mean in a good way you were hearing the same themes and the same the same kind of passion from from the early people that you interviewed has that continued to be the case
3: it, it absolutely has uh you know the questions we're asking is really uh we kind of take um a, almost a chronological tri- journey through that pilot's starting from being a non-pilot up to where they are now, and we talk about the training, we talk about the first solo, and, and all those steps, and and who got them, and actually we even go back. Who gave you your first flight? When do you remember the very moment that you decided you you wanted to go fly? And the answers, albeit they're always different. Uh, emotionally, they're almost the same. So you know, it was like we were Rico and I were starting to interview people at the uh, airport just for fun, really, and uh, and realize that we the questions we were asked were like, boy, that's kind of the way I felt about it too. And and Rico would say, well, that's how I felt about it. And then we started interviewing more people, and those same answers started coming up. And it was it was this the same thread that, that kind of threads us all together. And and it's not something you're born with. It's it, it can be something you're born with, but you can also go. Or maybe not even realize that you could be a part of this, and, and, and you're going to have the same experiences. And what an amazing experience you're going to have as you journey through the air in, in an airplane. Yeah.
1: So, so, so what's the? Where do you go from here? What are the next steps? What's the process you're going through?
4: We're we're going through the the, the growing pains of developing a project of this scale. We we never thought it was going to be this big. Initially it was. Sh- we were thinking it would be uh, a bunch of local uh, pilots and it just sort of grew uh, and exploded because it just picked up so much momentum Mm -hmm. Um, so where we are right now is uh, we're going to start a nationwide uh, tour I I call it uh, (laughs) flying across the country and hopefully into Europe as well picking up uh, interviews with notable aviators Um, and so at this point we're mapping that out we're uh setting up meetings uh to go to eaa chapter meetings across uh california and the west coast for now um and while you know throughout our travels we're coming out to florida in a couple of weeks
3: uh we're doing a first saturday uh yep we're doing a first saturday at la presti (laughs) uh, at the Vero beach airport Uh, bring bring your heavy
1: coats i hear
3: yeah (laughs) exactly um and, and and we're and we're picking up you know, we're picking up these interviews of people, you know, celebrities, uh aviation legends, and the regular people that are flying because mm-hmm. we all have the same passion, we all have a very similar story. So it's kinda cool when I get to sit back, and Rico and I get to sit back and, and soon the whole world will sit back and realize that you're looking at astronauts, you're looking at seven four seven pilots, you're looking at J three pilots. And we're all very, very similar, mm-hmm. you know. And that's the—that's one of the coolest things to me that I've discovered
1: yeah. about this whole process. What's your target for when you hope to have this thing finished by?
4: Well, um, at this point, it's looking like it will be early 2010, uh-huh. um, if everything goes according to plan, um, <laughs> and we get the right um, sort of uh, financial backing that we're looking for. Um, sh- we should be able to complete it. By this time next year.
1: Okay.
3: We're we're aiming for a, a, a release at Sun and Fun two
1: thousand ten. Okay. Right. That's now- so we're for. Rumor has it, though, that you're not going to make us totally wait uh, until then, uh, that, that you're going to start uh, some sort of video podcast. Is that what you're the, going to do? The mm.
3: video? Yeah. I that a, idea that, came that's from. That's a good idea, Jack. Dude. Okay. Um, All right. <laughs> <laughs> actually, Jack, uh, the uh, video podcast has been launched with our first little video. Uh, it's more of a little teaser that we had done, uh, but I, I used it to actually push myself to actually go do it. So if you go to apilotstory.lipson.com, you will be able to subscribe and download the first of uh, a month we're going to try a monthly podcast video podcast uh for the pod, uh, for the pilot story uh it's going to feature um snippets of some of our interviews with some of our uh you know the pilots uh and maybe even putting Rico and I in front of the camera talking about what we're doing mm-hmm. uh kind of a behind the scenes look and uh Kind of keep you know yeah, keep I you like interested yeah, keep like it'll some, be fun yeah like and, and Jack diary. thank you for the suggestion that was you I've been so. begging,
1: just uh, you know ever since I heard about this thing I just thought this is just the coolest idea and I can't wait to see it and and it, it's totally reasonable that it takes a long time to collect all this material and put it together in the right form and so forth but it just kills me that we'd have to wait that long so I've been begging these guys to give us a little peek you know and so you know what I was urging them to do was you know, every time you every time you interview somebody just pull two minutes. Just, you know, I mean, you're going to presumably interview them for 30-plus minutes or whatever, but just pull two minutes and make it you know, make it into a little video podcast and slap it on the net so that we can get a flavor of what you're up to because right. it's such a cool idea and uh, can't wait. Can't wait. I, yeah, Neither can we. <laughs> yeah. and, and also, I want to
3: – the other thing that uh, – one of the things that Rico and I – as we are evolving this idea is that, you know, it was kind of our way to give back to aviation what it's given to us. Um, And uh, we're hoping if it's successful, we're actually going to be able to give back to a lot of groups that we really enjoy. Uh, you know, like uh, Young Eagles and Able Flight and and uh, Angel Flight and things like that. So hopefully, we're going to be able to give back to them a little bit financially as well if the film's successful. So when it comes out, everyone go buy it.
4: So, <laughs> so, cool. so oh, we can get well, back to some, to some a of those programs. Question.
1: Do you have you figured out how you're going to distribute it yet? You, you just alluded to the maybe you're going to put it on DVDs and sell it or.
4: Yeah, I mean, the, the, um, you know, the, the medium of um, HD distribution over the Internet is growing quite a bit. So that's one, one aspect that we want to do is uh, online distribution uh, via a number of outlets, uh, including iTunes. But yes, yeah, so there will be a DVD available for sale uh, through Sporties, through Amazon, through Pilot Mall, through our website – um, and any really any any place that's willing to sell it like a discovery store type of thing. Mm-hmm.
3: Every um, every air show you go but, to, um,
4: yeah, it will be available <laughs> at every single air show. I mean, that's the marketing plan behind this. Is um, and real, realize that the um, the uh, core audience by default is going to be pilots and aviation enthusiasts. But really, the the overlaying um, bigger audience that we're going after is is the general public, and that's why we're going after. Uh, uh, film festivals and museums and places like that where um, the general public who Know very little about aviation. That those are the people that we're going after. Yeah, well, I mean, I, and I would recommend splitting the
1: difference. As well, as well, which is to get, uh, get pilots should be buying copies of this to give to their non-flying friends who exactly. they think might be interested in aviation. I, I tell
3: you what, we had we had uh, an interesting discussion with somebody uh, recently at the Van Nuys Airport, and we had this great idea. And all we need is eighty million dollars, <laughs> and that and that the idea is to actually get eighty million dollars, and we can put a copy of this in every household in America. So, if anybody out there Bill. has eighty million dollars,
0: okay, all right, well, I, Bill, I, I can do it for
1: seventy-five.
2: <laughs> I like the sound yeah. of that. Get a discount right off the top. Right.
1: Well, that's great. We're looking forward to following the story and seeing this thing uh, when it's finally done, and and seeing all the little little snippets as as they come along. It's great. Congratulations. Keep it up. Keep it up. And 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 just as a side note, you know,
3: everybody yeah. can. Uh, Go to a com. There's a place where uh, you can put in your email address, and we'll be sending out uh, – hopefully, every couple of weeks, we'll be sending out uh, uh, newsletters and talk about what we're up to, yeah. along That's with cool. – uh, yeah, so. Terrific.
1: Well, let's see now. Um, moving from uh, the sublime to the ridiculous, uh, let's see. We've got this – I don't know this is this is an offshoot of the uh the uh US Airways Hudson River ditching story that that just strikes me as being kind of odd. This is a story about a week old. I don't know what the latest on this is, but uh um so apparently uh, US Airways in a sort of uh, of uh, you know kind of uh, trying as best they can to make the best out of this situation um gave all of the uh uh gave stuff to all of the passengers. Um, for their inconvenience, for their whatever, all right? And apparently a couple of passengers, and one of the things they gave them was, what, one year of membership in the, the super-duper U.S. Airways Club or something like that, all right? Right. And yeah. and and a couple of passengers came forward and kind of complained that they thought, oh, man, they should have given us a lifetime membership, da 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 you know? <laughs> um, U.S. Airways, I think, also gave them each a hunk of cash, like, I don't know what, $5,000 or something like that. And uh, and the question that was out there and the question that I ask here is, uh, you know, you know. What do you think? Did U.S. Should U.S. Airways give these folks more or less, or did they give them just the right amount, or should they have given them anything? I mean, and, and I know what I think, which i have sort of just alluded to, but uh, you guys go first. They all got free boat rides, right? Yeah.
0: Try, try. <laughs> um, I I think I don't know. Uh, they were in a plane crash. Okay. Yeah. Um, they're lucky to be alive. Um, and the carrier, I think, should be um, very apologetic and very uh, forthcoming, um, trying to uh, recognize that um, um, they put—I uh, um, won't say—they put these people at harm's way. They t- they took a risk, but um, they they did um, put these people in a situation that very few people experience and then are able to talk about very, very few people uh, in the world live through. And um, I kind of wonder if, if just a year of uh, of, of membership in the uh, frequent flyer club or uh, 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 one year of, of flights or something like that is, is adequate. Personally, I think they should get free flights for life you know see i don't know you know, know. Look, there, you know listen you no, no. That one element of 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 uh, of, uh, of a compensation package i don't think they should get a whole lot of money
1: yeah i, I certainly they agree should, that uh, I, I certainly agree that from a your. public relations point us airways you know is probably yeah. smart to do something like this to, to yeah. you know yeah. but, no, if but anybody truly claims, smart please.
2: if they'd have been truly smart yeah they would have said you get this uh chairman's preferred status in our frequent flyer club for life. Right. And you know, and uh you're definitely going to get a couple of free flights here and there. Uh you know, where we're just going to say no, we're not going to charge you for a while. But this isn't a lifetime pass. But you know, Gemini, mean, if you're going to offer them that kind of perquisite. See, uh you know, and they just survived a crash Partly because of the good luck that the airplane was as high as it was when it hit the geese. Partly because it had a qualified sailplane pilot yeah, who, see, this who is lives, my point. eats, and sleeps. Right. But right. the fact is, everybody survived. Yeah. Their status is unique for the rest of their lives.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think there was a Hudson 155. U.S. Airways doing something nice to these people because they just don't want to be a, be uh, you know seen as being you know evil corporate people is one thing, but this the, usually in these kind of conversations the airline has made somebody in the airline has made a mistake that that there was some chain of you know the whole the the, the legendary chain of events that leads to an aircraft accident all right, but uh, oh. based on what we've heard so far all right U.S. Airways did not do a single thing wrong here all right this was no, totally Airways- totally Bad luck, and in fact, U.S. Airways didn't put them in a bad situation and nearly cost them their lives. U.S. Airways saved them from this mutual bad luck thing that they all stumbled into.
0: U.S. Airways had had the misfortune to be the carrier involved,
1: and that's why they ought to do something for it, them, but not because they owe them anything.
0: Well, oh, exactly. I don't, just, I, don't, I don't know that they owe them. Well, I. I I don't know if they owe them anything or not. I, I, personally, I would not want to have been through uh, what those people went through. I mean, there were, you know, a, a couple of minutes where they didn't know if they were going to see, you know, the next sunrise. Right. And right. that's a uh, telling uh, on anybody.
1: But based on we, what we know now, yes. none of that was the fault of U.S. Airways. Oh, no, no question Based here. on
0: what we know now, none of that was the fault of U.S. Airways. But let me let me, let me finish there. Um I think just as a matter of, of uh, protocol, especially since it really doesn't cost them anything to do it, right. U.S. Airways you should give them you know, the club membership and the free flights for life, whatever, uh, just as a way of saying, hey, you know, we're sorry we put you through this. We want to uh, try to make it up to you, and we want to do the right thing. Um, and we're sorry you had a bad day, yeah.
4: okay I tend to agree sorry. with that um uh, with that kind of uh, perspective, but I also think i wonder um i mean u s airways had nothing to do with the accident it, it obviously the property where the airport is is situated at where the, maybe there should have been better control of the population of the birds. Um, I mean, this is something oh, that were, is bound were to happen five, again. They were, sure. they were five miles from the airport when this happened. Oh, AI. I thought it AI. happened uh, no, no, 30 never. seconds after takeoff. Yeah, well, that could now be they miles. were at 2,900
2: feet and uh, 3,000 feet and had been in the air about, what, 90 seconds to, to two minutes when they got hit. Mm-hmm. And so right I asked, think about yeah. how fast they're going. <laughs> They're
3: yeah. five, six miles away already. Yeah. Yeah. These Spurs so were are,
0: transients. They weren't locals. Yeah. So, that's right. so really it was, it
3: was the fault of New York City. Right. Sue
2: so the city, then. Sue so the city. that's
0: so New the city. What the, the hell?
2: Yeah. I mean, you look at the positive PR potential here. Exactly. First off, you, you know that you're not going to face, as the airline executive, you know that the rest of your career is not going to be taken up, giving depositions to some trial attorney, representing uh-huh. the family of some poor schmuck that died one of 155 who died in a crash all your all your passengers lived man you want them to be a banner to the world yeah. well I mean, we had the uh-huh. most catastrophic thing happen imaginable in in one of our flights and everybody walked away yeah. our airplane this served if well, this was southwest genius Oh, or, Jesus, or
0: Virgin yes. or somebody like that. They'd, they'd have done that in a heartbeat. And, and, you know, what else can we do for you?
2: Well, if they were uh, Virgin, um, they'd be down partying on Branson's private island. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, okay. Uh, you know,
2: he'd, so be I, given, it, he'd be finding jobs for half of them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> in my mind, it's it's two things. One, it's a missed PR opportunity for U.S. Airways. But two, it's it's just one more example of how just totally hosed and screwed up are the legacy <laughs> airlines in this country and their management yeah. Yeah. and and the way they think of the world it's just it's just
2: uh, the, and a Mr. Child the pilot. for how screwed he up was, they are
1: yeah.
2: he, and they inherited the pilot he was American yeah. yeah. yeah yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay all right we've beaten that one to death let's go uh David found interesting they should be beaten to death <laughs> david found interesting <laughs> video clip from uh, a a commercial airliner that ditched in the Pacific back in nineteen fifty six This is an interesting piece that's of video
0: amazing I'm glad we found that that's that's you know it's a combination of um um dragnet
1: yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting. Oh, yes. It definitely <laughs> is a 1956 vintage, you know, kind of storytelling, yeah. you know. And uh, um, they—they—that's well, re- they, what
2: you'd expect in 1956. <laughs> they,
1: my favorite part. My favorite part was they, they. I'm presuming they recreated the 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 radio calls between the aircraft and the ship. And at one ah. point, they had the uh, they had the captain of the ship talking to the captain of the aircraft, and and he's saying and he's trying to kind of like and you know you tell him it's going to be okay, you know, and kind of make some positive comments. And the captain of the ship said, well, we're all ready for you. We've got the eggs and bacon on the grill waiting for you, you know. And I'm just laughing at this, <laughs> thinking, you know, man, it was a different age in 1956. I can just hear it now if the controller at LaGuardia a couple weeks ago said, you know, the pancakes are going to be ready for you, you know. <laughs> yeah, come on. Right, we got Starbucks
2: <laughs> and Egg McMuffins. Yeah, I know.
1: It would not have gone over quite as well. But uh, but it's a really fascinating piece of video. Apparently totally. Well, and, and, and i, I got
2: to give credit where credit due. This came to me by way of my uh, good friend Hans Mulders who I'm pretty sure doesn't listen to us Uh, Hans is a friend of mine here in Wichita Uh, he's a crusty old Dutchman Uh, I love him to death and he spent most of his flying career, the bulk of his flying career as a ferry pilot uh, delivering airplanes all over the freaking world Uh, he flew for the Dutch Air Force and the Canadians then got into the United States and started flying delivery flights and then went into business on his own as a ferry pilot. And he came up with the link for these, uh, for this clip of the uh, Boeing uh, clipper <coughs> ditching in 56. And it made me think if they flew several hours around that coast guard cutter, well, the story here is, this is a Boeing, what is it? 377 clipper. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's en route from Honolulu to San Francisco. And there are picket ships from the U.S. Coast Guard and the U.S. Navy out in the Pacific to relay radio calls from airliners. And to be on patrol. Off. Right, and make weather observations. And uh, the captain of this Boeing, uh, well, he had the really? bad fortune <laughs> bad. to lose yeah. two engines just like Sullenberger, yeah, I, except he had two spares. Say.
0: Let's let's back up. The flight was en route Honolulu San Francisco, and just past the point of no return, yes. uh, suffered engine trouble and basically lost two engines, uh, and uh, could not make it to land from that point. So, and that's when they started, you know, communicating with this picket ship. But go,
2: yeah, well, after they after ran, I the picket ship, they just circled it for hours, waiting on daylight, uh-huh. and burning off fuel. I got to thinking how much how far away they still had to be.
1: This is what I was wondering about too. How long did that flight take back in those days? Oh God. Oh,
0: you look, it was a ten or twelve hour flight, I thought.
1: I would figure Maybe ten to twelve out. hours, yeah. yeah. Because I that's when when they when they got to the part in the little documentary where they talked about these guys circling waiting for sunup so that they could Ditch in the daylight, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, the part that didn't make sense, or it kind of seemed odd to me, was that they were able to keep flying for so many. Or it, it seemed like it was a long time. I'm thinking, well, why couldn't they just then continue and, <laughs> and make it home? You know, if they can circle and they can hold altitude, then why don't you just keep going? But they probably did the math and discovered they weren't going to make, or or were worried that the other two were going to, you know, go out at any moment. You know, and uh, well,
2: it kind of listen, reading that reminded me of a movie that was released in 1953. The High and the called Mighty, Island in the Sky. Oh, John okay. Wayne flick. Not familiar with
1: that one. Okay, mm-hmm.
2: okay no, isn't no, no, that why, the one where why they why is, they lost two engines en route from Hawaii to San Francisco? No, no, no. no. You're,
0: uh, that's the High and the Mighty. You're thinking that's the High and the Mighty. Oh, that was I'm John right, Wayne. Yeah, yeah you're right. right. It is John Wayne. They're both John Wayne. Um, the island in the sky is where they, they, uh, they crash land on the, on the lake up in uh, uh, northern Canada.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's right. You're right. Right. Uh, both, High both, and the Mighty are, is the one we, where it was an airliner. And... Books, but, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Both are Ernie, and, Ernie and, Gann books. But, uh, um, High in the Mighty is the DC-6, I guess, DC-4, uh, DC-6. DC and um, they uh, have a runaway propeller. Um, and that that crashes the engine, one of the uh, number one engine, I guess, and it's hanging off the nacelle, creating all this drag. And they have barely, they, you know, at first they think they don't have fuel to get to San Francisco. Um, and you know, John Wayne saves the day. That's all I'll say.
1: So, anyways, cool it's video. Great. Take a look at it's it. The uh, first, oh. one
2: of the first yeah, disaster yeah. movies. Yeah. Yeah, the the movie, the 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 flick that uh, that Jack's talking about is actually some of that's real life footage from the nineteen fifty six ditching, and look up the high and the mighty because it's uncanny the similarities between these two incidents, and the high and the mighty was fiction made two years before reality came in. Those folks didn't make it, and wow, they got you know, eggs and bacon on the Coast Guard cutter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, mid-Pacific ditching, uh, I guess we could call that the off-field landing of the week, although they didn't, weren't able to reuse the airplane. <laughs> um, but they did manage to, uh, according to the notes I saw, they did uh, save all of the passengers and crew, and uh, and uh, good job. Pan Am 943. There's a, there's, a Wikipedia article. there's a Wikipedia article that... Um, I don't know, maybe
0: incorporate into the show notes, but yeah. uh, uh, water landings, just search water landings or ditchings in, in wiki, uh, and it'll bring up a fairly comprehensive uh, discussion of ditchings. Uh, especially ditchings of commercial aircraft and uh, yeah. this particular flight pan Am nine forty three is uh, is discussed in there of course u s air u uh, uh, s airways fifteen forty nine is discussed <laughs> uh, as well as uh, many many other uh, uh, airplane ditchings and uh, this this particular um, ditching pan Am nine forty three is notable uh for um the way it was conducted and uh, the fact that um, uh, everybody got away
2: without injuries. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and you know what? Luck to find a Coast Guard cutter, cutter way the hell out there.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Moving right along. Um, so, uh, <laughs> as I mentioned earlier, it's been a busy uh, few days for me aviation-wise. Uh, yesterday, uh, I continued my uh, GoBosch checkout, my LSA uh, checkout up at Sanford Regional Airport at uh, Southern Main, oh, Main cool. Aviation. Um, got to fly my second hour in the airplane. Uh, it, it, first of all, let me say that it was a very, very weird day. We were talking earlier about the weather. Uh, it, was, it was almost 60 degrees here yesterday, and... Uh, um, it, wow! It was you know I I'd, I'd planned to do the flying this day because the forecast looked really good and it turned out to be really good. Uh, it, it, around midday, around noon or so, it was severe clear. I mean the sky was perfectly blue and it was sixty degrees and I'm going. Oh, I man, hate hey, when that happens. Did I pick a nice day, <laughs> right? You know, and so then I'm you know I'm sitting in my in my home office working, uh, getting ready to, you know before leaving for the airport and suddenly around around two o'clock I look out the window and now it's overcast. It had gone from completely clear to completely overcast like an hour all right and so i'm going well this doesn't look good what the heck is going on here so i went in and got forecasts and discovered that it was a pretty high uh overcast and that i was going to be good for the flying um, and the temperature was still very high very very comfortable so i headed on up to uh, sanford and uh, met up with my cfi and the airplane and uh, and uh, we pre-flighted and, and got on board and did our first takeoff, and, and we were on downwind for the first time. And as we were on downwind, uh, you know, my, my, we sort of both looked at each other and said, it's raining out. Look at the canopy. We could see on the rain. <laughs> there were raindrops on the canopy, all right, you know. And we're going, well, this is just really – because there had been some some hints of rain in the forecast, but it just didn't seem like it was going to – So so it started raining. And then the second thought that went through both of our minds instantaneously was, what's the temperature up here you know as opposed to 50 to 55 degrees down on the ground you know and so now we're in this you know unfamiliar aircraft certainly unfamiliar to me and as far as the uh the oat gauge it was unfamiliar to him too so we're kind of like searching around saying where's the gate where's the temperature gauge?" oh here it is right here and it was like still 57 degrees at at uh, we were only went up to like 2500 and we were just kind of doing a little bit of air work but uh so it was plenty warm enough, but it rained the entire time I was flying this airplane, just lightly. I mean, it wasn't not an issue, you know. And uh, visibility was fine, and uh, but it, you it know,
2: was you know LSAs come standard with an anti ice kit.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, it was a it was a special kind of flying
2: day. It was like going rubber, flying rubber mallet field. and a spray bottle of Windex.
3: Yeah. I was going to say you lean out
1: and, and pour your bourbon on the wings. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <was> that? <laughs> you're taxiing out. You're taxiing out amidst <laughs> snowbanks, and uh, you know, and then you're. Uh, uh, in the in the rain uh, you know, on a day in February in Maine, you know, it's just like... It is kind of incongruous. Do-do-do-do, you know, so anyways, we went flying in the GoBosch, just to kind of give you a brief report. Um, I, I, I'm feeling much more comfortable in the aircraft. Um, anyone who was listening uh, a few months back when I did my first flight, um, it was it was borderline overwhelming, the, the differences between that airplane and the airplanes I was familiar with, and so it was kind of a handful for me. But in the time between the two flights, I had a chance to really kind of think it through and think about... The things that were different and how I, you know, kind of familiarized myself with what to expect. And so this, these flights were, were much much more comfortable and uh, really started to feel like I was I was ahead of the airplane. Um, there still are a couple of things that are really notable to me about this airplane. It it just requires way more right rudder on takeoff than any airplane I've ever flown. I mean, you almost have your right your right foot almost all the way to the floor. There isn't much rudder left, you know, to keep it straight. On, on what's
2: the engine? Is this a Rotax?
1: Yeah, it's a Rotax. Nine okay. twelve, I think, or something like that. And uh, does it have rudder trim? Say again? No. Uh, n- not uh, not uh, not, uh, not rudder trim. No. Um, not not you know not in flight. Not in the cabin. You know, it's just you know. Again, it's fine once you're at flight. Once it's you're ground, it's
0: round adjustable rudder
1: trim. Yes. Yes. And okay. but it seems to be trimmed fine once you're at cruise. Once you're up there going level and just kind of cruising along. Um, it's just, it's just that, you know, some, com- the big issue and, and it sort of didn't really kind of come clear to me before, but it is now is that it has a free castering nose wheel. So you get no uh, you get no directional help from, from the nose gear, from the gear, basically. All right. You know.
2: right, you need to be using right brake instead of right rudder.
1: Yeah, and the brakes are really touchy. You've got to be careful. It's kind of weird because you're, like, pushing all this pressure on the, rut, on the rudder part of the pedal, but you, you don't want to touch, or if you need to touch it, yeah, very no, gently. It's really hard to kind of push a lot of pressure on the main rudder, but a, just a tiny bit of pressure on the brake. No, but
2: you don't want to put any pressure on the rudder. You want to put the pressure on the brake. You think so? Yeah. With a castering nose wheel, until you're up to about 30, pushing on the rudder only makes the rudder crooked.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, that, <laughs> all right. Well, that's the title of the episode if I ever heard one right there. <laughs> uh, so anyways, a lot of right rudder. Uh, but once I realized that, that really kind of took me by surprise the first time. The second time, I was ready for it, and uh, it really wasn't <laughs> Have, oh, We're having too much fun now. I'm I just thinking about
2: uh, taxiing out and 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 trying to give it right rudder to steer, and then going no 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 me no steer from rudder. You keep the rudder neutral. You tap the brake to steer, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, you need to tap the brake a little yeah. bit to keep. Airplane straight on takeoff roll. At least until
1: thirty or so. Yeah, well, that's and that's what I was really talking about. Is that once once you kind of get to get a little bit of speed. So uh, uh-huh. the now you say that. Now you're in the climate. <laughs> anyway, so that was so that's that's intre- That's kind of unusual for me. And but I'm getting I've gotten the hang of it now, and it's became you know almost second nature well, by the time the end. For
2: of the- what it's worth, Jack, in terms of screwing up rudder, what you did is no worse than what I did in a Seneca Five. What'd you do? Well, damn near ran it off a runway because. It's got counter-rotating props. It's a twin. Uh-huh. Yeah. So so the last twin i a bunch of that right was a Baron. And a Baron's got <laughs> two 310-horsepower engines, both turned the same way. So it really wants to go to the left. Right. Even though the engines are canned back to the right to offset some of that, it really wants to go to the left. Well, you get in the Seneca where the engines counter-rotate. Yeah. And it, didn't it, it doesn't want to go in either direction. It wants to go straight. So then you throttle up and you stomp big time right rudder, and guess what it does? It, it goes. goes freaking right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Instead of departing runway nine left, you're departing runway nine right.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I'm taking off two seven and taking a right turn a hundred feet past the threshold marks. It's like <laughs> oh, I'm going to take off to the north instead. Yeah. And it was nice. It was Vero. The runway was really wide, and the <laughs> controller said, not the first time that's happened to somebody in the
1: second. <laughs> and the other thing about this gobosh that I'm still getting the hang of is that it's just got the strangest uh, throttle friction lock that uh, is this basically yep. is basically locked or free. You know, it's just like there's <laughs> it's hard to kinda of add friction and so that so that it's, you know well, the other it's thing is loaded, and it's spring loaded problem. to go to full power, which just really freaks me out. Oh you know? wait a minute. It's <laughs> spring
2: loaded to go to full power? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So if it gets loose suddenly we're going faster. And uh, <laughs> So you got to stay All the on top the ones of were spring-loaded to go to idle. Yeah, well, I'm not sure which is better, to be honest with you. I guess I, if it's going to go, I'd rather it not lose power. You know, I'd rather it gained power, Bills I guess. Do you rather have- Yeah. So, so well, that's my adventure on the... Go taxi uh, way. taxiway, yeah. That just- that's my adventure flying the Gobosh, and uh looks like one more, you know, sort of session, and uh, they'll... Uh, you know, I, this is I was. We were talking about this last week with Dan Johnson. Uh, what's sort of the industry standard for doing these kinds of transitions? And he was saying that that a lot of people in the industry are saying five flight hours, and it's uh, you know, and out, and uh, it's looking like they're going to let me go after about three or maybe three and a half. So that'll be good, and uh, and I think I'll be okay at three and a half. I, I, I'm almost there now. I, I just need a little bit more time with somebody watching out for me. Yeah,
2: just I mean, learn how yeah. to use brakes, and you'll be fine. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Jack, Jack, I think a friend of ours on
3: Twitter is actually about ready to take a check ride in a GoBosh. Is it a go go-wash that he's flying? Who's that? Um, <clears throat> I don't want to say his real name, I guess. Well, I get Robert, you know Robert.
1: Give him a code name. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure who you're talking about. Um, I'll, um,
3: I'll look for that. His 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 actual uh, uh, Twitter name is all binary code.
1: Oh 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 yeah oh yeah, okay, I know who you're talking about I know you're talking yeah. didn't he do this fly, didn't he do his check no twenty eighth twenty eighth yeah oh did it get postponed because I thought he was getting ready to do it uh-huh. like the next day one day last week or something like no
3: that. I think I think and he's has been scheduled for I think it was scheduled for the twenty eighth yeah, of okay. uh, February
1: yeah. no, I'll watch for that I'll watch for yeah. that okay. anyways
3: but he's flying to go bash I think yeah. it, could yeah. hang it could be
0: on what is his Oh name? What does his Twitter name decode into from binary to um Oh uh, Lord Hexadecimal or whatever.
3: I'm not I don't I don't I don't. I, don't. I think it's his I think it's actually I think it's his initials yeah. in binary. So. Yeah.
0: Okay. All
1: right. Uh, all right. Okay. <laughs> the uh FAA reauthorization. Um they've now uh, uh got a new bill on the table, so to speak. Uh and uh it has no user fees in it it does have a few extra uh fees i guess what gas taxes or something like well they d- yeah it's
0: basically the same as the uh, house bill from last year okay. yeah. um
1: so are we happy with this new bill
0: yeah we would be happy if it went through i'm not holding my breath
1: oh really why not very very yeah you know, we're
0: just very early in the process yeah um the longer we go um into this congressional session um, the greater is the animosity between the House and the Senate, not to mention the Democrats and the Republicans. Um, the, the White House, um, this you know, FAA is so far down in the weeds uh, of the, uh, the priorities of this White House right now. That uh, I don't think we're going to get a whole lot of leadership out of them in the near term. Really? So I don't think we I, need I, I, much
2: because LaHood, I don't think we do either. Ray LaHood someone's, is on the record as yeah. he supported this bill when he was in Congress. Right, he one should have he he did. He supported twenty eight eighty one when he was in the House last Congress. Ray he, LaHood, he, of he course, did. being
0: the new Secretary of Transportation,
2: he's the new Secretary of Transportation, right? right? Uh, and, uh,
0: we still don't have a new FAA administrator, which is another indicator of how seriously or not seriously the, the incoming Hey, we don't have a
2: new Secretary of Commerce either, and that's no, beginning to look man, like a the, chronic that's issue. A
0: whole, that's a Charlie Foxtrot, but um, um, FAA hasn't gotten to that
2: point yet.
1: Okay. The FAA the, uh, administrator position... Well, let's not go down this interest, hole tonight. I just want to... This is a long way past the Charlie this Foxtrot is, This point.
2: is a good bill from our perspective because it basically, the only big change from... The bill proposed 2881 that was proposed and passed by the House, uh, in the last Congress is that it includes more money for, uh, uh, next gen and includes more money for airport improvements. So, uh, it does include a small increase in fuel excise taxes that are the same ones that were in last time. Uh, and there's a great deal of impatience with the idea of letting this run on idle until late in the summer. Mm-hmm. So this doesn't need much White House stimulation. Uh, the guy that's carrying he's, point he's, on is already the- on the page, right page. What this needs is folks like us calling our lawmakers and say, pass this Mike Foxtrot and make it happen.
0: <laughs> Do you know if there's anything in here on alternative fuels for um, for aviation?
2: I haven't heard of anything on it, but I haven't succeeded exactly in reading all the way through the bill either. Okay. All right, let's That, come to that seems to be taking a life of its own, by the way, with the commercial carriers. So. Right, yeah. Let's
1: come back to that another day. Um, shout outs. So, uh, let's see now. I got one right away I want to jump in here uh, with. Uh, I had a very, very nice lunch today with our friend Jeff Scoffridge at Ward. Um, oh, cool. The guy who has been doing our our show notes for for many many weeks now and does a great job with that and uh, and I, I'm embarrassed to admit that that I had never had a chance to actually meet him even though he's been doing such good things for, for us and uh, we've been talking by email and phone for for a little while now and uh, we agreed to meet down uh, in his uh, his uh, stomping grounds so to speak uh, down near uh, Hanscom Airfield, Airfield uh, airport in uh, Bedford Massachusetts uh we had nice lunch at a at a restaurant near the airport and then he gave me a great tour uh, around the airport he uh, He drove me all around the airport, showed me a couple of cool spots where you get a nice view across the grounds of the airport, and then uh, took me over onto the grounds and took me into the terminal building, introduced me to some of the people at at the FBO that he he rents from, and then... uh and then he got out of his. He dug into his pocket and he got his magic security badge, and he took me out onto the ramp. All right, whoo And uh, <laughs> anybody who's in the know about this knows that uh, Hanscom is one of the t- more tightly controlled uh, security-wise air- airports in the in New England uh, because it's part of Massport, which is the same organization that runs Boston Logan Airport. And so you have to have this badge, and you have to be, or you have to be escorted, and. Uh, um, so we went out on the ramp, and he was showing showing off some of the airplanes that are uh, that are on the on the uh, you know owned by the uh, FBO he he rents from. Interesting, they've got a whole bunch of former North Dakota aircraft, uh, University of North Dakota airplanes. Uh, you know, the, I don't know if you've seen their video Ooh. podcast. Uh, they do a great video podcast about flight training. And they've got all these uh, 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 Piper Warriors in the videos um, that all end in uh, in, uh, in November Delta N D on their in their uh, tail number, and so we're out on the ramp, and I'm looking around, and they all end in N D, and I'm going, hey, wait a minute, and he says, yeah, he says these used <laughs> to be used to be part of uh, University of North Dakota, and uh, I guess North Dakota upgraded to better planes or different planes or something or other and well uh, they
2: they do cycle through them
1: yeah yeah and so a whole bunch of them are, are on the ramp at hanscom right now so uh a nice chance to uh, visit the airport and uh and and that was great so i thanks to uh, jeff for taking some time to uh to sit down with me and to uh show me around uh, hanscom field and uh, i have one other shout out but i'll let you guys go first who's got one
2: well i just wanted to shout out to my friends in uh in in england at uh what do they call themselves? World Aviation Events Limited. Uh, they're the organizers of a uh GA show uh for Europe in Prague. If you happen to be in Europe and playing around, May twenty two, twenty-three, twenty-four in uh Letney, Prague uh, Prague, in Prague, Czechoslovakia, and in London on June twelve thirteen thirteen, and fourteen, uh at Wycombe Air Park. And this is uh Third time for these shows. And apparently, they're really taking off and taking root with the uh, general aviation communities in England and Europe, such as they are. Uh, they get a lot of major iron participation. Uh, they're also good showcases for the equivalent of the light sport aircraft in Europe. So, uh, any of us that are listening that happen to be in those neighborhoods, uh, here it's a fun show, both of them, Europe and London. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Great. Uh Jeb, you got anything?
0: Uh Kate Doherty, uh late of uh, Cirrus Designs. Way to uh, go. She you. was
1: formerly of Cirrus Designs. You make it sound like she died. excuse Jeb. me. No,
0: I'm sorry. I did not mean to imply that at all. <laughs> um, uh, um, Kate uh, was uh, one of my favorite PR people. Um, just a great person all the way around, and uh, did a great job for Cirrus. Um, left of her own accord uh, late in uh, in '08, and has recently resurfaced. Um, still in the uh, in the biz, as it were. And uh, it's great to know that she's still around, and we'll, we'll be seeing more of her hats off to Kate. And I uh, uh, hope she'll uh, uh, be
2: coming on the program sometime soon. Yeah, absolutely. Second in that.
4: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I got to meet her at the uh, expo here in San Jose last November. She was extremely supportive and super, super yeah. friendly and helpful. Yeah. Yeah, she's been a good yeah. friend of the podcast
1: with helping us get access to the Cirrus folks uh, and and just kind of supporting us. It's been so we welcome her back. Not that she really ever left, but uh, that's great.
0: <laughs> yeah, she 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 just kind of you know took a break for a while. She's back uh, wearing a different hat, but nonetheless, uh, uh, I'm sure it will fit well.
1: Great. Will Rico anybody you want to say hi to? Anything? Uh,
3: yeah, we actually do. Uh, a friend of ours, Susan Pruitt, who is uh, about ready to launch a magazine called Flight Plan Magazine. She's been nothing but just the greatest supporter of ours and has bent over backwards to help us out in our projects and so uh she's yeah
4: absolutely i mean she's been a great uh, source of uh, of input and in as far as uh, helping us think of ways to market the uh, or reach out to the community and uh, as will said uh, she's ready to launch our magazine which is dedicated to women in aviation and specifically young women and getting them enti- uh, uh, intrigued or enticing them to uh, join the, the, the ranks of aviators. And uh, she's doing so well for us that we actually invited her to join our um, advisory board. So yeah. she's officially Excellent. on the advisory board. That's great. That's great. Um,
1: and real quickly, I just wanted to. So on my way down to meet up with uh, with uh, Jeff Ward uh, today, I I was running early, and so I swung by some place that I'd always wanted to visit and I never have either on the ground or by air, and that is uh Nashua Airport, N- Nashua, New Hampshire. I I always had heard that it was a very busy GA airport, but I'd never been there, and. Uh, so I swung by just kind of driving through and boy what a cool airport that is um, I, I could I mean just a lot of activity a lot of airplanes a lot of hangars um, it's also the home of Daniel Webster College's aviation uh, school uh, operation, and so there's a lot of activity in terms of young people who are learning various parts of the aviation biz. Um, so it's just a very, very cool place. Um, the particular thing I wanted to call attention to, and maybe I'm the only pilot in New England who doesn't know this, but um, until this morning I was, and that is that they have an awesome pilot shop there, um, the best pilot shop that I've seen since I've come back to the East Coast. Um, it's right there uh, at right in the parking lot on uh by the terminal building at uh, Nashua Airport and there's just I mean and by this point, I'm running late to meet Jeff, so I can't makes really it,
0: hang out. What makes it the best pilot shop you've ever seen?
1: I mean, it was just had a huge su- su- selection of things. I mean, just big things and little things. They had, you know, they had refrigerator magnets and GPSs. They had, you know, flight bla- flight bags and checklists and charts. And I mean, it's just I could have stayed there. I mean, literally a kid in a candy store. It was a very, very, very cool pilot shop, you know. And uh, I mean, it's like I, I've been I've been thinking real seriously about buying myself a new hand handheld uh, uh, av radio and, uh, and I've been putting it off partly for money reasons and partly because I didn't want to buy it by by mail order. I kind of wanted the instrument gratification of having it in my hands. And so I saw these things under the glass, and I, I spent the whole time I was in there kind of chanting myself. I'm not going to buy a radio today. I'm not going to buy a radio. Today. Uh, and, uh, but uh, they just had a great selection of all sorts of things. And, uh, um, and uh, I
3: was going to ask Jack how, how much was the radio that you oh, bought. I don't, don't want to go there.
1: <laughs> I don't want to go there. You know, yeah, it's your fault, Will. Ever since I held your your radio in my hand that day when I was, uh, I'm thinking, oh, this is nice. They're nice these days because mine's like fifteen. 10, 10 plus years old, and, and and it was a pretty nice one for its time, but uh, you know, mine's big and clunky by comparison mm-hmm. to that cool little one that you had. I've
0: got a KX99 that you know, weighs more than half the stuff in my panel. Now. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. exactly. <laughs> yes. So anyways, um, if, if by chance you're one of the other pilots or the only other pilot in New England who doesn't know about this cool pilot shop at Nashua airport, uh, there it is. And swing on by, uh, fly in or drive in and, and check it out because, um, we want to throw these kinds of operations, all the business we possibly can. Anyways, boy, we've run along tonight. Uh, we better, <laughs> we, we better, uh, stick a fork in this one. Um, Thanks to the whole gang here. Will Hawkins uh, is uh, is the co-host of the popular aviation podcast Pilot Flight Podlog, and he's also the director of the anxiously awaited movie A pilot Story. Thanks for joining us, Will. Where can uh, I'm going to let you do the podcast part, and I'm going to let Rico do the movie part. So, Will, right. where can we find you on the internet?
3: Uh, you can find me on the internet, uh, Pilot Will. If you're uh, if you're into Twittering, uh, that's me, Pilot Will, um, and of course, you can find the podcast. Uh, uh, at pilotwill at dot lips. I'm sorry, pilotwill dot com, uh, or in your favorite podcatcher, and of course. Uh, oh, and then the movie.
1: Well, we'll come uh, to the movie in just a yeah. second. All right. Yeah. So, so that's great. Well, thanks again for joining us. Well, thank and, you for uh, having us. Rico Sharkawi, how'd I do with that last name? I was. A you do... did very well. I'm very okay, impressed. Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> thank you, Rico. That's Rico. really
2: Rico, good, Rico, because English is Jack's second language. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Computer this is his first language. That's right. I'm, I, that's right. right. People ask me if Fortran. I know any, if I know any other languages, I say yes, C and Pascal. Uh, Rico, Fortran. Fortran. <laughs> Rico is the co-founder of Wilco Films and the producer of a pilot story. And uh, Rico, tell us where we can find out more about you and the movie on the internet.
4: Well, thanks for having us uh, again. And um, yeah, you can go to a com to see the trailer. Uh, We're about to launch a second trailer very soon. You can enter your email address to receive the uh, monthly newsletter. We'll do our best to send out monthly newsletters. And we're also on Facebook. Uh, Look for the Pilot Story uh, Aviation a uh, documentary film um, on on just a simple search on Facebook, and you'll find um, a Facebook page there, which has uh, all kinds of behind the scenes sort of footage and pictures and uh, information. That's great. That's great. And uh, cool. Uh, the the just real quick, the video podcast is uh, a pilot story. Com. Yeah.
1: And we'll put all these, these uh, URLs in the, in the show notes so you'll be able to check them out there. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Jeb Burnside, you are an aviation journalist, currently serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Tell us where people can find you on the net.
0: Unsurprisingly, aviationsafetymagazine.com. Uh, and I still have to get my personal web page fixed. I'm going to do that this weekend.
1: Okay. We're going to hold you to it this time. You've been saying that for weeks now.
0: I have been saying that, and, and I, I ditched my old ISP. And to and, um, make a long story short, I want to go with a third party to host my website, but I just haven't moved it all over there. Anyway, uh, AviationSafetyMagazine.com. Uh, personal website is JeBurnside.com. And occasionally my name or, or something I've done or haven't done will pop up on
1: AvWeb. <laughs> on AvWeb.com, that's right. <laughs> Dave Higden, you are an aviation photographer, also an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales magazine. Where can people find you on the net?
2: What well, makes you think I want them to find me? <laughs> uh, actually, well, avbuyer.com. Click on the World Aircraft Sales link or AEA.net on the Avionics News. Uh, Magazine, Link, and uh, I sometimes show up at that place at Burnside Works. That's right, that's
1: right. I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can find me on the net at jackhodgson.com or aroundthefield.net. As always, a big thanks to Jeff scoffrey at Ward for both lunch and for creating our show notes. You uh, didn't buy him lunch. Well, Actually, we did. The tip jar bought him lunch, quite frankly, um, and, I, and I was thrilled to do it. Um, so, uh, but for, he found the restaurant, and uh, he arranged the whole thing. So the whole experience I thank him for. Also for creating our show notes, which are terrific. We also want to thank our many listeners, uh, and uh, particularly Royce Earl and Mike Morgan, for creating our show opening disclaimer clips. And don't forget that you can visit with all of us at the Uncontrolled Airspace website. You can read the blog, you can view the forums, check out the wiki, the airport restaurants list, the aviation movies list, and much, much more. And all of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. So, David, what were you going to say?
2: Say... Want to live longer? Go fly because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Good air, everybody. That's
1: right. That's enough talking for tonight. Let's go flying. TTFN.